many followers do you have, Ricky? I got two, 270 on IG. Okay. 100K on Instagram. Like 50K on Facebook, so. Facebook's still around? Well, like half a million. There you go. Something yeah, like let's that. go, dude. That's worth <laughs> it. I got my mom following me on Facebook. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, Facebook's still a thing. It's actually coming back. Interesting. It can really be, it, it's 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 a really good tool. Um, what I've heard about Facebook is that um, your videos, like the clipped up 15 second, right, little snippets from your podcast, they can get presented into a group on Facebook. Mm-hmm and get a few million, right? Few million views. I've had videos on Facebook, like little clips do like 20 million views. Yeah. It still goes viral on mm-hmm, Facebook. Mm-hmm. There's well, well, that, that shareability on it is different, right? So like on, on IG, when you share it, you're just like DMing, maybe putting it on your story. Right. Right. Uh-huh. But on Facebook, it's in your feed. Right. Where now all your friends see, right. see it, you know, and it just had, when you share on Facebook, it's way more of a possibility of a, a viral moment than when you share on, Yeah, I mean, you can't even share on YouTube. Like you just get a link and I mean, you can't do anything on YouTube and um, IG is just like DMing or stories. So you yeah, know, the shareability yeah. on Facebook, yeah, it's a real thing. Like each platform, you just gotta like hack and figure out how to, you know what that hack is to 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 go viral on each it's different for each platform and do you have like a social media department that's mm-hmm. managing this yeah, for you you're looking at it like oh. that's what i do oh wow still yeah, yeah. to this day yeah wow i post all my stuff i answer all my dms i do how do you manage the that? whole thing because that um, sounds like a real job that sounds yeah. like multiple jobs actually you know i write all my emails um i do the whole thing that's basically what i do um that's your job you've given yourself a job yeah basically basically but it's not really a job like it's like when i was closing 100 deals a year you know as a single real estate agent i didn't have a buyer's agent a listing agent i had an assistant handling the paperwork but i'm doing all the deals showing the properties going to the closings listing appointments all that stuff and people are like holy shit you know i'm like it's two deals a week they hear hundred deals a year. I'm like, it's two deals a week. Can you yeah. handle two deals a week? Yeah. You know, and they're like, well, now you put it like that. It's the same thing with, with this. I mean, it, it, it seems like a lot, but I think the way that I'm programmed, I can, I can handle a lot of stuff. I don't, I don't very rarely will you see me like stressed out or something or worried or something like that. My <laughs> wife is like, I can't believe it. Cause like all the stuff that I've got going on, and I, it's always like I'm walking around with not a worry in the world because yeah. I'm not worried about nothing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like there's nothing to the like back before, you know, I was in a financial position. Like I don't have to do any of this. Like I can call it a day and chill. I can retire right now. I'll disappear from the from from the Internet world altogether if I wanted to. Um, but I'd still keep doing it just because I love doing it. Yeah. yeah and it. Um, anyway, like all the stuff that I have going on, like to be worried is like to worry about paying your bills. <laughs> that That's a place to stress and be worried. We're, we're way past that. Like now it's just fun. Like if I miss a post or something one day, cause I wanted to post, you know, multiple times a day or I miss that. I don't, I could care less. Yeah. These people know who I am and you know, they'll get another post tomorrow. And um, I don't know. Well, I, how'd you get to that point? I mean, I, I followed you for a couple of years. You weren't always, 
like where you are now like you were still doing transactions are you still and I'm, like and, a buyer and, 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 and like where i'm going to be in 10 years is like i'm nowhere compared yeah. to that right now where you know what i'm saying like um like like so, for for me i'm like i'm still that little teenage guy in alabama roofing houses <laughs> with his dad yeah um, so you started in construction as well well my dad owned a roofing business this reminds me of this guy that i just met pace morby Mm, um, I know Pace. Do you know? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We met at, we share a mutual friend, Dan Fleischman, and uh, mm -hmm. we were at his ranch a couple weeks ago. And so I got introduced to him, real down to earth guy, same thing. Yeah. He's like, you know, I just got my start in construction. Yeah. And now here I am with, I want to say he has like a community of like 1,500 yeah. or something mm -hmm. like that. At least. Which is mm -hmm. amazing. Mm -hmm. So if we can, can we roll back time and, and let's start at the origin story of Ricky? yeah um what do you want to know everything well, yeah i mean let's start out with okay i was why did you up, get into real estate like, well i mean like when i was about 10 i was like i'm gonna be great at something make tons of money yeah and then turn around and help people okay i had that premonition when i was like 10 mm -hmm. um but why i mean i don't know why i don't know why there's parents, just parents Environment. Well, see, see, my 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 mom. Hey, she owned a hair salon, and she was a worker there. Right, she owned it and was a worker there. Right, she's cutting hair and she owns the place and has several other people, you know, working there. Um, my dad owned a roofing business, but he was on the roof laying shingles. It's like both my parents owned businesses, yeah, but they were actually blue collar workers. They were entrepreneurs and blue collar workers all in one. Right. And my dad was like the hard worker. Um, and my mom was more like the big dreamer. And so like the big dreamer, like big dreamers, they, you know, they kind of slide through life and they have these big dreams and they come up with these big ideas. And, and their whole thing is, is one of these big ideas are, is going to take me to the moon. And the hard workers, they don't ever have these real big, they, they're real conservative because they don't want to lose everything they work their ass off for. Right. So like I had from one side of the spectrum to the other, the big dreamer, the hard worker, both actually worked hard and they owned their own businesses. Who'd you identify more with? Both. I mean, and so, so what I'm getting at is like, I'm both. Like I'm the big dreamer guy right. that works his ass off. And so like, you know, there, there's a like, like I do all my own posts and stuff like that. Like, dude, my, my big like influencer friends, they don't, it doesn't even, they, they can't understand that. They're like, you answer your DMs. No. They, they can't wrap their head around it at all. And, um, but that's the hard worker part of me, right? Then the big dreamer part of me is like, okay, when I hit a million bucks a year as an agent, I was like, let me, let me share how I did this with mm -hmm. the world. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's the big dreamer side of me. Let me, let me write a book. Right. Let me become known. Let me create, let me become a public figure. Let me, let me start speaking. Let me start doing social media. Let me, let me see if I can actually crack the code on this, building your personal brand and building a, you know, multi-million dollar business out of this. Mm -hmm. That's the big dreamer side of me. Right. But then I, but then behind that big dream, I'm willing to put in that work. I mean, it's like when I came on the scene, the big real estate coaches, I'm sure they looked at me and were like, you know, here, you know, this, this guy is going to, going to be here and gone tomorrow here today, gone tomorrow. Why, why would they think that? Because they've seen a lot of guys come through, start posting stuff on social. Like I see them all the time. Okay. They'll start posting stuff. Like they're a real estate coach now. And 
six months later, where are they? Mm-hmm. You know, they gave up, they quit, they don't post anymore. We never hear from them. Right. Um, Is but, that because they lack the aspirational sort of genetics or is that because they're just the do it because they're just doing it to make money okay okay so so they come in with a product they have no brand they haven't built any real credibility in the market they haven't brought any value uh-huh. and they just start trying to sell a course i mean it's like these coaches have been in business for two years sold 19 properties and now they sell a course for 500 bucks they don't want to sell anymore you can't teach me anything yeah and there's a lot of these fly by night guys that come in, come and go. I came in and, you know, did a hundred deals a year for eight years in a row, number one in Alabama, all this stuff. And I'm, I, I know that the big coaches were sitting back laughing, like, here's another one of those guys. So who's a big coach that might've sat back and laughed? Tom Ferry, all of them. Give me some names. Tom Ferry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tom, Brian Kevin Buffini. Ward, Buffini, like yeah. like all the bigger names. And are these guys still around today? They're still around. Yeah, the, the big guys will always be around. I mean, they're legends. Like they've been doing this for 30, 40 years. Like they're they're not going anywhere. Okay. Um and so they uh, see you come onto the scene or come onto the scene, you're starting to post, starting to build that personal brand, yeah. right? See, see the different what I did differently was I came out and I'm like, I'm a free coach. Mm. Okay. So like I, I was doing, I was doing webinars. So when I first started, I wrote two books, they took off and I started doing social media and the whole thing kind of took off. Well, I started out charging, wanted to build a business. Sure. I tried everything, a hundred bucks a month, 50, a thousand dollar one time. I tried all kinds of different models. Nothing really worked. And I was doing webinars. I would have 300 agents register, a hundred show up and like one sign up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, like. 300 people wanted help, 100 really wanted help, they showed up, and only one person gets to see like my systems on the back end that could literally blow their business up to a million bucks. Is that is that a, are, is that a normal, are those KPIs normal for that type of sales funnel? I would say so, but I was really new. Um, okay. So could they have been better with if I had more experience? Like now, could I do one and have way better conversion? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that was just like seven years ago. But if you're just starting out, that's a typical... Yeah. 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 That's, that's Cause, your Because like, like, what you got to realize is real estate agents, the niche of real estate agents in the education space is a hard, it's a hard niche to crack when it comes to monetizing on the education coaching in the coaching world. Yeah. It's not like real estate investors, real estate investors, you know, they'll pay 10,000 bucks for, for a membership. Like that's what Pace does. He has $11,000 lifetime membership. He, he crushes it. Real estate investors, like they are investing mm-hmm. in their investors, mm-hmm. agents, the thing about agents is if you're struggling, you need coaching. But if you're struggling, you don't have money to pay for coaching, right? So, yeah, if you're so, not struggling, you don't need coaching. Do you think that's true? If you're not struggling, you don't need coaching? No, no, no. You, you do to a certain extent. Okay. You do. Yeah, sure. To yeah. go to the next level and stuff. Sure. But my point is, is most of the ones that are crushing it don't do coaching. They're crushing it and they just keep doing what they're doing. Right. So I'm saying like as uh, an audience, like a lot of the big education guys stay away from real estate agents because it, it's a hard group to crack the code to monetize. And so I realized this really early on. I was like, okay, wait a minute. Instead of one person getting what I have to offer, which is very unique and special, I want all 300 agents to see what I'm doing in here. You yeah. know what? Yeah. I, I, I'm screwed trying to get them to pay me up front. Right. I'm going to give this away for free. 
and see where this goes. Because if I give it away for free, now all 300 in that scenario get to see what I'm doing on the inside and now they love me forever. Right. And now I'm building a relationship with these people. And, and, it, and it all hit me. Like one, one thing that opened me up to it was Gary V. You know, the way that he... Interesting. Yeah, like I started watching him and, and the way that he puts it all together and paints the picture you know, of giving it away for free to build brand. Right. I mean, that was a game changer for me. I was like, okay, if I do this, my, my following is going to grow. My subscribers are going to grow. Um, and you had that realization or you saw Gary V preaching giveaway value. It was the same. It was, a, it, it was, it was at the same time. It was like, I was leaning that way. And then the more I listened to him, I, it validated that what I was thinking was right. It took me a long time, bro. Cause I had 200 agents paying me. I was making like 10 K a month. Uh -huh. I have a meeting with the two, 2,200 agents and say, guys, you know, I'm going to start giving away everything that you guys are paying for. Right. I'm going to start giving away for free. And guess what? I'm going to make it better. I'm going to give it away for free to everybody in the world. And I thought they were all going to be mad, or at least some of them were going to be mad, but they all cheered me on because, because I gave them so much more value than what they paid me. And they saw the vision. I was like, here's why I'm doing it. I want to change the world, right? My, my goal was to reduce the failure rate in the, in the real estate industry. So what, what is the failure rate? 90%. 90% of agents come into the business and fail after a couple of years. Right. Because the reason is, is because. So, so who benefits from that? The Nas National Association of Realtors? Who benefits from what? From failure. their failure. Yeah. There's somebody. Nobody, nobody, nobody benefits from them being a failure. You don't think right? so? They're only here for a year. Um, you know, like the uh, like the class to get your license. I mean, all the little fees, you know, maybe there's some additional revenue there. You know, like there's 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 a class. There's your state licensing. So the state commissions, you know, sure. make money for yeah. you becoming an agent, Absolutely. 200 bucks. Yeah. Um, everybody has some skin in the game, right? Everyone. A hundred percent. Yeah. Everybody, want, everybody wants a piece. The, the problem is, is it's such a, it's such a learning curve. What you, you, everybody has the wrong expectations coming in. Okay. They, they come in as an agent, as saying. an agent, yeah. they, they think they have the expectations that they're just going to crush it. And they will crush it, but it takes a couple years to like really build the foundation and get get the momentum going. So give me like the 60 second elevator pitch. Like if you were going to take your curriculum and boil it down into like two sentences, I want to become a real estate agent. Why? Why do you want to because see, why do you want to become a real estate agent? Right. Well, I, until I, I know why you're trying to. Do I just want to I want to be rich. I think that's what people that's what think. think. That's what people think. Like I met we interviewed Mikey G. Um, Mikey G owns a, uh, a large restaurant consulting group across the U S and he was saying that some of his most successful cocktail waitresses, right. When they kind of expired in that space, the natural transition is to sell real estate mm. and you're like, okay, well they've sold to high end clientele, high sort of high margin products. So it's a natural progression for yeah. them to move into real estate. Yeah. So if I'm a, you know, whatever, I'm a, I'm a female real estate agent, yeah. or, you know, aspiring real estate agent, I'm getting into it because I've been accustomed to a certain lifestyle, right? I set my own hours. Yeah. I work when I want. It's transactional, mm -hmm. right? Maybe more than transactional. Maybe there's some relationship value there. Um, 
but large margins. That's you, what I'm after. You're just talking about in terms of like being like, let's just say server at a restaurant. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. I was a server at a restaurant for a while. Let me tell you, that was the that was that was the best. That was one of the best things I could have ever done to prepare me to be a real estate agent. Why? Right. Walking up and talking to people I don't know, getting to know them, like trying to create instant credibility, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, serving them, getting them. You know, what do you want? Let me get it for you. It's the same thing as real estate. You know, when, so it when, is a natural progression. It is a natural. Like yeah. every real estate agent should be a server before they before they become an agent. Um, and so if 100%. somebody comes if somebody comes in and says, well, I was a high-end cocktail waitress in Las Vegas at this club. It doesn't mean that they're going to crush it in real estate, right? It yeah. doesn't mean that at all. But aspirationally, um, that's what they it, see. It, it could be, you yeah. know. Here's the thing, here's the thing about real estate agents coming in. Um, you you will never be able to predict someone's success. When they walk in the door, you could be I've 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 had the most like just enthusiastic, charismatic, all, saying all the right stuff, hard worker, great background, connections, everything. You're like, this guy's going to kill it. Yeah. And they come in and they don't sell anything. Why is and that? It's, it's, it's the eighth one. Like it's the craziest thing, right? <laughs> yeah. And then and then you've got a guy yeah. or a girl who comes in yeah. and you're like, there's no way. They're, they are just the nerdiest, but they, 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 it, it's not going to work. There's no way this is going to happen. I, like I, this is all true stories. Like there was a guy, uh, looked exactly like the dad from honey. I shrunk the kids. All right. <laughs> yeah. He comes in. Some of the people watching this will not understand what movie that <laughs> he's, is. But he's it's fine. He's just Google it. Like he comes in yeah. and I'm like, there's no way like this guy, there's no way 30 listings in his first month. Right. It, 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 it but they it, were all small listings. Yeah, honey, I shrunk the list. Yeah, no, that, they, they were they there were actually yeah, Rick that, that guy, that there guy. And if you find the one like like with the curly hair, like if, I think maybe oh, he was in Ghostbusters too. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. that's him. He was like yourselves. the key master or something. So so like like there was a guy that looked exactly like this guy and came in and I was like, there's no way. Yeah, and this has happened time and time and time again, man. People and so I quit trying to um, peg people. When they come in, I'm like, maybe they'll make it, maybe they won't, regardless of what I, you know, preconceived notions that they might crush it. It is literally the eighth wonder of the world of like, if someone is going to make it or not, it's just like, come in and time will tell if you, if you, if you're like, I, you know, I bring a lot of agents in and, uh, you know, I listen to them and they're like, I'm going to crush it. And I'm like, I hope so. Like, well, let me ask you this. So going back to the Rick Moranis example, because I think it's funny. He comes in and he's got the curly hair and he's got the Coke bottle glasses. Yeah. And you're thinking to yourself, there is absolutely no way yeah. that this guy is going to be able to connect and mm -hmm. sell real estate. Mm -hmm. And fast forward to today, does he still look like Rick Moranis? He, he has not changed one bit. <laughs> okay. So that's... This, and this, and that, was, that was like 10 years ago when that guy came in. Yeah. And um, he... Uh, so the money doesn't change. Or he, the money doesn't change people, you're saying? No. Not at all. I'm the same person. I was like, I literally, this is what I looked like in, in high school. So like they, um, Except like, you had a nicer belt. That's about the only thing. <laughs> and like, I honestly didn't pick this out. My wife well, got that it. That was a Father's Day gift or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, literally yeah. just got it. She's like, this is one of the most trendiest things. I was like, okay, whatever that means. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I'll wear it on the stern top. Right. Absolutely. He came in and, 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 and every one of his listings were for sale by owners. So he like went to these for sale by owners and I don't know what the hell he said. Right. I have no idea how he got 30 of these people 
to sign listings with him, like on the spot, like something like he had some kind of pitch or I don't know what he did, but he and had, this is in Alabama. Yeah. So is that a common thing in Alabama for people to list their home? like themselves? It's a common thing everywhere. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I don't know anything in real estate. About 10% of listings, um, really, really maybe more than that or so, 10, 15% of listings, the seller attempts to sell it without a real estate agent first. And it is, is usually first, like you just said, or is it they list with an agent, have no. a bad experience? No. Well, sideways. they may have had like a past experience you know, with like a different property, historically different property, you know, okay. or something like that. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's not even normally the case. Maybe half the time that's the case. A lot of times they're just like 6% is a lot of money. I'm going to save that money. I'm going to sell it on my own. This is a good segue into what's going on today yeah, in the news. That, that, that I'm going to sell it. I'm going to save that money. And what happens is 87% of them end up throwing. So they want to try it on their own to see if they can save that 6%, which is a lot of money. Um, but what, what they realize is that they can't and 87% of them throw in the towel and hire an agent to okay. sell the property. Okay. So if is part of your curriculum that you're teaching to your community to go out and find for sale by owner listings, or it's not part of the curriculum. It, I mean, that's the, my curriculum is basically around this. I want to talk to property owners in the market to see what it is they want to do and why so that I can help them do it. That's, that's really the basis of it, right? So a lot of agents come in, what, agents are brainwashed by social media ads, gurus, uh, et cetera. Uh, hey, the, 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 the big coaches out there, right? Like, like some of these guys never even had a real estate license. Like the biggest coach out there never even had a real estate license. Um, and, these agents are brainwashed around a couple of things. Number one, calling property owners to see if they'll sell their property. And so that, that right there, that one out of the two things they're brainwashed about puts them in a position where their perception is they're trying to call someone to convince them to do something or get something from them or take something from them. Like, give me a listing. I'm trying to get you to give me something. Mm -hmm. And it, 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 it inspires so much fear. Like they don't want to make the call. Cause they feel like they don't really like, they're not really bringing enough value to get somebody to give them something. So they're scared to make those calls. Okay. That, that's the first thing they're brainwashed about is that they're calling people that own properties to see if they'll sell their property. All right. I'll debunk that in a sec. The second thing is, is we gotta, we gotta put out videos on social media to attract buyers to the, to our business, right. To find people that want to buy properties, right? You, no. So the first thing is around like asking sellers if they want to sell, now, what you should be doing is find any listing you want to sell, any listing. It could be a, a $50 million house all the way down to a $500,000 or $100,000. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. You find the surrounding owners in a, like in today's world of technology, you can find all the owners in a, in a snap for a penny and find all the, like if, if I had a $50 million house, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to call all the $20 million homeowners around it and say, hey, do you want a nicer house? Are you thinking about getting a nicer house? That's such an easy call. I'm not calling to get them to, to, to give me something. I'm calling to offer them a better quality of life, hmm. right? I'm giving them something. I'm trying, I'm Mr. I want to make your life better now. I'm not Mr. I'm trying to get me a listing today and make me some money. You know, I don't know you, Mr. Seller, you don't own me, but will you sell your house so I can make some money? 
because I'm calling for me. And that's the awkward part, right? That's the awkward part. And that's what we're brainwashed into with the 1980s scripts that all these big guys still teach today. That's why I came on the scene is to like reverse this perception that we're not trying to take something from someone. We're trying to offer value. And that opens up the conversation. And now they're like, wow, you just tried to give me something. I've never had an agent do that for me. I'm going to now open up to you and tell you everything I actually want to do. I don't want to buy that $50 million house, but I actually want to do this thing over here. Will you help me with this? Because I like the way that you approach this situation. So um, people, these, these agents are cold calling cell phones? You can call it, you can call it cold calling if you want to. Sure. I'll call right? it cold calling. But I mean, they're cold, cold calling someone's cell phone. So I'm at work and I get a cold call, right? Mm -hmm. And it's an agent saying, I found this property. It's near you. It's $2 million. You live in a $1 million house. Are you interested? Am I, am I tracking what you're saying? Basically, like let's say the $2 million house is a five bedroom yeah. and they've got a three bedroom or a four bedroom. Hey, I see you've got a house right here on this street. Yeah. It's a three bedroom. Do you need a four bedroom? Because I got a really nice one I'd like to show you. But are you, is that house for sale technically? Yeah, it's for sale. Oh, it is. Okay. It's so, for sale. so it is a real offer. No, it's a real offer. Because I thought my thinking was... You're calling someone and going, you've got a three bedroom, I've got a five, it's 2,000 know, square feet more. And then going back to that bigger home and saying, I've got a buyer if you're interested in selling. <laughs> Double dipping, yeah? Yeah, you okay. You so like an off-market type opportunity. Yeah. All day long. Yeah. This is how commercial real estate agents work, by the way. This is how commercial real estate agents Enlighten operate. Me. I want to hear this. This is right. interesting to me. It's the same thing. They, they, they don't have MLS. Like we have, they like have a LoopNet, right? They have CoStar and LoopNet, yeah. and they have certain things. But the commercial world is mostly off-market properties, and they operate in the same the the same exact way. I'm I'm, I'm teaching agents to operate there in the residential side. Mm -hmm. This is how commercial agents operate already. They've been do, this is how they operate. They go out. See, agents only do half their job. 50% of their job, right? Their job. What's their job? To connect a buyer and a seller. Mm -hmm. All right. What they're doing in today's world that was created from the National Association of Realtors to protect buyers and, and make it mandatory to offer a buyer agent commission on MLS. It's created a scenario where an agent only has to find the buyer and then wait on another agent to find the seller mm. or they find a seller. They list a property and they let all the other agents sell the property. They don't really try to go find the, the buyer or if they have the buyer, they don't really go try to find the seller. They're just sitting back doing half the job, finding one side of the, the uh, transaction or the other, yeah. waiting on another agent to do the other half of the job for them. But don't and, you think, don't you think there's a conflict of interest in, in doing both sides of the transaction? No, not at all. Because when the buyer comes to you and you're representing the seller, yeah. you tell them, Hey, I've got this. I advise, I'm advising you, I'm consulting you to go get your own representation because I'm looking out for the seller. I'm going to sure. get him the most money. Right. Right. Yeah. I can write the contract for you, but I can't advise you. If you want me to write the contract for you, that's fine. Sign here saying that you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. And I'll write the contract and I'll negotiate the deal and we'll get the deal done. I was, right. I always took issue with real estate agents that would do both ends of the transaction. I think, I think it comes down to transparency. It comes down to, to explaining agency to, to your buyers and your sellers so they can understand exactly what they're getting into. The problem is, is with the way it is now, 
And this is the this is the big problem that's going on. The way it is now, there's there's a lack of that transparency. Like a buyer, people get buyer leads, and all these buyers come in from YouTube and all this stuff, and the, and the agents don't explain anything to them. They just start showing them properties, yeah. right? And so the buyer at the end of the deal, they see that the buyer agent got this check, and they don't even they're just like, how that happened? It's just and weird it, if you think about like the legal world, which I sort of think that real estate is analogous to, very similar. You know, you have one person's counsel, defense counsel, plaintiff's counsel, both are representing different parties. It's a hundred percent that way. Yeah. And that's why real estate agents will never go away because you're never going to go, go into a court of law without a lawyer. Right. And you know, you're talking about the buyer's agent dilemma. The whole right thing. Now. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, that I was talking more generally, but when we talk about that specifically, should we talk abs- about that? We, we can. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I think that's going to be a huge issue yeah. for agents. Do you, wanna, do, do you want to bring us up to speed with what's going on with like the litigation? Cause I know it's going state by state. So, so I mean, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we don't know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, with the DOJ and the Supreme court and NAR, there's a lot going on that we don't know. We don't know exactly what's going on behind the scenes. Right. So there's a lot going on there that'll all come to light at some point this year, I believe. Um, like settlements or like, well, there's already a, no, I'm just saying, no, 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 yeah. Settlements. But I'm, I'm saying like what the actual end result is going to be. Like what's happening? What are the conversations behind closed doors that's going to lead to how this whole thing is going to play out? Um, The way I believe it's going to play out is that they're going to erase the field in MLS for a buyer agent commission to be offered from the listing side. It's just not going to exist on MLS. It's not going to exist at all. That's what I think the direction that we're going in. Why do you think that? Well, because they won the suit in, in Missouri. Um, and the suit was basically, it was a group of, of homeowners that did a class action against NAR, Home Services of America, Keller Williams, Remax, um, and, um, anywhere, I believe. Yeah. Anywhere. anywhere. And so yeah, Remax, yeah, yeah. Remax and anywhere settled out before, before the, before the, uh, trial even started back in October, they settled out before then like 55 million and 85 million. And then, um, and then Home Services of America, KW, NAR went through with the trial, which was a two week trial and they lost. And the whole basis of it was that the plaintiffs claimed that the defendants colluded to inflate commissions, um, which, which that's kind of crazy to say, cause there was no like collusion. Cause there was no emails going back and forth. There was no evidence that they spoke to each other, communicated like, Hey, let's keep it at this commission rate or whatever. Um, so that is kind of wild the way that they, they define what they're guilty of, like collusion. Mm. I think that's a little weird to say it is like that. Is that a loose interpretation, right? Like, very, very, yeah. because there was no like. But the co- jury came back very quickly. They did, um, because I think they don't, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, a lot of real estate agents don't even understand how this stuff works, much less like people on a, on a jury box. But the fact of the matter is, is that um, what, what they actually got found guilty of is, is making it mandatory to offer a buyer agent commission to put the property in MLS, right? right? They don't feel like that should be a, a rule that, that is allowed because, because that's the seller basically paying the buyer agent commission and being forced to do so, right? They're forcing them to do so with the co- clear cooperation policy rule that NAR has in place. They're forced, they, you know, they have been up to this point, forcing them to do that. Um, and, and, and this is the way, this is the way I, I look at it. 
the Sherman Antitrust law that supposedly has been broken uh, due to this, in my mind, the way you look at it on paper, it, it was broken, right? They did break that law. It, it, this was the antitrust situation problem. But, but why was this rule put into place? It was put in place because 40 years ago, it, when it wasn't in place, buyers were getting screwed left and right because they didn't have representation. Hmm. Okay. They didn't have representation. So this was this their, in the eighties, maybe. Yeah. In the eighties, seventies, sixties, eighties. This was the, this was NAR's way to, to, to provide representation for every buyer to figure in to the price. So does it break the antitrust laws? I think so. But what, but it's a catch 22 because it was better for the public. Like it protected buyers, but it also made home buying more expensive than maybe no, it if, to be. Okay, if and this is this is what this is what's crazy, right? I don't subscribe to this. No, I, no, no, I, no, I, no, I'm no, just, no, I'm no. I'm glad you brought it argument. up because yeah. this is what's crazy about it yeah. is that people think that, and 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 so okay, what you're telling me is that if buyer agent, if sellers don't have to pay the the two or three percent buyer agent fee now, yeah. are they going to take two three percent less on the asking price? Uh, no, they're not. They're going to take as much as they can. And so now the, the home is the same price. It's the appraised value. So, so, it, so it's going to be the same price regardless if buyer agent commission is, is being paid by the seller or not. So now the seller is just putting that 2 to 3% in their pocket, right? It's not coming off the price or making the property cheaper. It, it's the same price now. Sellers aren't going to say, oh, okay, I'm not paying buyers a commission, so I'm going to take 2% off the price now. But it's laden with more costs, is what I mean. So if you have a million dollar home, you've got to pay fees to a buyer's agent. Again, yep. this is not my And that's part of the thing too, is like if the seller's paying the buyer agent, yeah. okay, because that's the way it looks on paper, Sure. okay, then you know it's like, oh, I'm paying the agent that's negotiating against me. Because on paper, per the HUD statement, it shows that the seller's paying the total, and out of that, the listing agent and the buyer agent. So, so on paper, it's it's showing. This is another discrepancy. It's showing that the seller's paying the buyer agent. All right, but at the same time, um, the agreed on listing agreement basically said, "Hey, I'm going to pay you listing agent six percent. If you find the buyer, you get the six percent." If another agent finds the buyer, you can split that with the buyer agent. Mm -hmm. So in essence, the listing agent's paying the buyer agent because the listing agent is done doing the job for say 5%, right? If they find the buyer, they get all 5%. If, but, it, but is there like, again, I don't have a position on this. I'm not in real estate. The life of a buyer's agent seems pretty easy. You go on whatever is the MLS and you look at, you know, you run these filters and you look for, looking for a house for someone. All right, it fits these. You don't even do that. No. The buyer tells you what they want to see. They, they see it on Redfin link. They see it on Zillow. <laughs> yeah. So what the fuck does a buyer's agent do? Show properties, negotiate the deal and make the deal go really smooth. There's a lot of intricate details to a transaction. Yeah. You know, you've got the- Why don't the, I just work with a seller's agent? Directly. Because they're looking after the seller. Yeah. You need your own representation. I think so. To make sure that the, that the terms in the contract are at least a little bit in your favor and that you're protected at all. I kind of feel like, you know, and, and this is this is coming from a Southern California sort of higher end real estate experience that I have. For me, when I'm looking to buy a piece of property residential, I just go to the seller's agent and yeah. I go, listen, you can double end the deal, right? This is what I'll pay. Mm-hmm. 
And then it either works or it doesn't. Would you yeah. do that in court with a lawyer? Yeah, but there's more than just a price. <laughs> but see, but see gotcha. there's more than just there's more than just a price yeah. for a contract. There's all the other terms with yeah, the with the inspections yeah, and the, Southern California. I just don't care. You know, when you're looking at higher end properties, I'm not really worried about. Listen, you know, inspection wise, California has termites. But you have experience buying and selling properties. Well, I've experience. Not as an agent some buyers, or as so a lawyer. What my point is, yeah. is, some buyers can go out there and do it on their own, yeah. and some sellers can do it on their own. Yeah. You know, everyone has a choice to go get an agent or not. Yeah, they they can they don't have to use an agent. So ninety percent, ninety percent of people yeah. use a real estate agent, absolutely, and it's their choice. Why do ninety percent of people use a real estate agent? Well, you don't have to convince me. No, I'm not convincing yeah, yeah. you. I'm just I making do a use point. a real estate agent. I just use the seller's agent, right? So I'm still doing exactly what well, they're you're, looking after the seller. If you had a buyer agent, you yeah. might have got a better deal and better terms. See, I never feel like it's going to get me a better deal. This is my experience. I'm just saying it could have. Yeah. I always, and it doesn't cost you anymore because you told him he could double end it. Yeah. So the buyer agent fee is already in the deal. I've just never found it's a lot of value. This is my experience. I've just never found a lot of value with a buyer's agent. It just seems like, dude, I find an you know, uh, $8 million property on Redfin and it says this is who it's listed by. Right, and I just say, I send him a text message. Hey, I'm interested. Double in the deal, right? I, I just, I, you know, I don't see a tremendous amount of value on the buyer's agent side of things. I see your point about law, that everybody should have their own representation. Um, the contract's at least 20 pages in California. For a real Are estate. Are you reading through that? No, yeah. no. Some, no. On a residential home? Oh, listen, you, you can pages you, minimum. You think the agent, you think the buyer's agent is reading through that? You better. You think he, so? He knows it. Yeah. It's he's he's read it many times. Okay. All right. So the um So it's he, like the refrigerator doesn't here, convey. He's like, here, gotcha. Here's the thing. Yeah. You can slide by with Personal. that, right? Until it until it does until you get screwed one time. Yeah. And you're like, okay, now I get it. Okay. You might have done a couple deals and it went great or whatever, and you were happy and stuff. And then there'll come that deal where you did get screwed. And you'll be like, okay, see what what will happen when all this comes into play is since we're so used to the way it is and buyers and sellers are so used to the way it is right now. I think buyers will initially say, oh, I have to pay my own commission now. I'll just go right to the listing agent. I can right. do this on my own. Yeah. And I think we'll have about 80% of buyers who go represent themselves. All right. But over time. I think that'll reverse to 80% of buyers will actually pay for representation. Maybe it takes three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine years to get there for that, for that complete reversal. Mm -hmm. But I think that's the direction I'll go in because in the beginning, 80% are going to say, I'm going to represent myself. They're going to run all these problems. And there may be more problems on smaller deals than $8 million homes. Right. Okay. For, you know, with people that are more wealthy that, 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 you know, whatever, you know, when people are actually barely scraping up down payments and buying a $500,000 home and stuff like that, yeah. that's a little different scenario than somebody buying a $10 million house who is worth 50 million. Okay. Well, I don't like losing money either. Right. I'm going to be upset if something is not included in a contract. Right. And I was not informed right by a seller's agent there's a cottage industry right in california that's starting up which is lawyers who will write a letter right can you talk about this 
they'll the lawyers now are representing buyers basically yeah right. they'll review it's a little yeah. cheaper it, it yeah. works out yeah. yeah is that in alabama too you can hire a lawyer to do yeah. that yeah because in like, california this is it's like a not little like cottage a thing. Industry. i'll tell you what's going to happen honestly yeah. there's going to be so many little startups that pop up out of this that represent buyers for a flat fee right like they'll charge three grand or five grand or ten grand depending on whatever the deal is whatever they'll they'll, they'll charge something really small and say we're going to represent you we're going to make sure this is what it needs to be we're going to show homes we're going to do all the stuff yeah that's what's going to happen is there's going to be these flat fee buyer broker companies that pop up so should these buyer agents pivot to that like i have agents right now who are worried about this whole thing yeah here, here i don't think no, they can negotiate the, their own commission on the real estate agent side the thing is is that right now when a buyer comes to us we just go show them property for free yeah when this changes that will change whereas when a buyer comes to us we're not just going to go show them property and not explain anything to them we're going to sit down and say okay what is it that you want to do? How can I help you? Okay, great. This is what you want. This is why you want to do it. Here's how it works. You know, I represent you. You know, this is exclusive. Here's the contract. Here's my retainer fee mm. to get started. Sounds like a lawyer. Yeah. It's going to be exactly a lawyer. And what's going to happen is, is now every time I go show property, I'm getting paid to show these properties as opposed to now I'm showing properties for free. Sounds like Redfin. They get paid, they do that, yeah. right? I don't know if they still do. They but have showing agents. Well, I think those agents get paid by the hour or they're on salary or whatever. By the listing or, or something. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so that, that, that's a weird thing because like they're, they're, not, incentivized. they're not really incentivized to close a deal. Well, yeah. I mean, they may get bonuses or something like that, but it's not like a traditional agent who's getting paid, you know, one to three percent on the deal. Um, so it's a little different scenario. So then it, it's a little bit high. You know, the more an agent gets paid, the higher the level of service you're going to get. You know, the, the you know when, when agents are working by the hour or per a, per a salary, they're going to answer the phone at six o'clock at night when there's a problem. Or they can answer the phone on the weekends. You know, this is a salaried person. This isn't an independent contractor who, you know, is you know, looking out after you no matter what, you know, like a lot of agents, they work, they work, you know, till, you know, eight o'clock at night, you know, they'll answer the phone on the weekends, they'll show property and this, that, and the other. I don't think all salaried agents are given that kind of service. So let's go back. So they're sitting there asking for a retainer for your buyer's agent. Yeah. There's no way these agents are going to be able to pull that off. What do you mean pull agents. it off? Just even have the confidence to ask for that. They'll leave the business. The one, the ones that aren't I mean, confident. And this is why I was saying like agents are doing half the job right now. Mm. They're only finding the buyer waiting on another agent to find the seller and vice versa. You know, that's going to go away, man. Like you, you're going to create your own market. There's the national market right? There's your local market. And then there's your business market, right. right? What buyers and sellers do you have within your, cause like, honestly, when all this stuff really, really goes down, like there's a good chance, like where's MLS going to stand in this? Where's NAR actually going to stand in this? And then what happens yeah. now the buyers and sellers can't go to one place and see everything for sale. And now there's going to be gatekeepers. You're, you're going to have brokerages that have their own internal MLSs. Sounds better to me. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to go to like four or five different places or 10 places to see everything for sale. Sounds like a marketplace, right? It, it, that, it, that, it, sounds, that sounds more because the NAR and the MLS and that type of thing, that almost sounds like... You could miss things though, It almost right? sounds like socialism. Think about this where it's though. Where like these, these entities are too big, right? And it needs to be broken down. It needs to be a marketplace. Think about this. You approach an agent, right? They sit down with you and they say... You, I'm gonna, you're going to exclusively work with me if you want me to work with you. Sign this contract. This is exclusive. You can't go talk to other agents. You can't go work with other agents. Mm -hmm. Sign this. 
pay the retainer or this is what you're going to pay me at the end or whatever it is, sign this, boom. All right, now let me go to work. Now, now that agent's basically looking in their brokerages, internal MLS. They don't have access to all the other internal MLSs. So now you're working with an agent who only has 10% available, you know, um, the market available to them, Mm -hmm. 20% of the market available to them. You don't have a hundred percent. You're not seeing all the homes available, right? But it does sound like you referenced the Sherman Antitrust Act, right? But it does sound like that's what's going to happen. It does sound You're like You're going to have a marketplace like of all these little, like, fiefdoms, right, of listings. And then eventually, 10 years down the line, a large company is going to come and start buying up all those little fiefdoms, roll it up. Those, those fiefdoms, though, are going to be owned by the brokerages. Right. That's what and I mean. They're not going to sell their internal MLSs. They're going to keep it with them. Why would they sell? I think that's just what happens. I think you well, have. Well, we're going to be right back where we are now then. That's you're saying you're going to be yes, right back where we are yeah, now Yeah, that's, that's, well, that's what I'm and, saying. And, and that's what's funny about this whole thing. We're, <laughs> yeah. literally, okay, we're literally going back. You get back. where I'm going. We're going back to the 70s right now. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's that's the direction we're going in. We're we, you know we did this. Yeah. You know we've been doing this for 30, 40 years. Now we're going to go back to the seventies, right? We're going to see what kind of a shit show that was, and then we're going to come right back to where we are now. It will. It's just going to be this vicious cycle. I, I I absolutely believe in my heart of hearts that's exactly what'll happen. Somebody will come back and we'll start buying these things up. We'll roll them up, private equity, whatever the case may be, take them public. And then you're back 20 years from now, you're going to be in the same situation. But it sounds like the Compasses, the EXPs, the Redfins, they're all public companies and they have their own independent database, right? Yeah. Of off-market deals. They do. Yeah. So it's there. It's, yeah. it's there now. Yeah. yeah. It's, we're they're all preparing yeah. for what's to come. What we didn't talk about or what we didn't sort of close the loop on, and I'm being mindful of the time, we're at 45. Um, what we didn't close the loop on was this... Um, these class action lawsuits that are going state by state, right? It'll, it'll, it'll all get wrapped up into one. Like all these settlements will be nationwide settlements. Like, Well, they're encouraging them to do it, right? I think the Department of Justice is going- Are encouraging more lawsuits to pop up? Well, I think that too, but I think from the outside looking in, there was an article, a good article on the front page of the Wall Street Journal today that was saying like the Department of Justice is encouraging these realty companies to stop settling at a state level. Yeah. Right. Kind of like yeah. the, um, what was that family with the, um, that big pharma company and everyone was suing them for collusion regarding oh, the, the painkillers, the painkillers, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. State by state, right? Yeah. They were getting sued. Um, they're making a, na- a national Sack over, like, I think was the no, no, uh, Sack KW. They're, you know, they're, they're trying to, you know, get the settlement done nationwide. The uh, as soon as the jury found, you know, the defendants guilty in the that Missouri case, Missouri the case. lawyer literally walked over to the desk, already had it wrote up, literally handed the clerk the next lawsuit, which was a national because that first one was just Missouri. Right. That's he handed court. them a national lawsuit, class action lawsuit nationwide. He opened it up nationwide for two hundred billion. Um, you know, against a so lot. So that'll of- settle. Yeah. Nobody's going to court on that. No. That'll settle. No, it, it means like we know what's going to happen if it goes to court, right? Um, so why yeah. did KW settle? Why did they? Why didn't they the first time around? <laughs> oh well, it, what I, I think it was really smart what they did because listen to what they did. They 
when when Remax and Anywhere settled, they settled before the trial. So they were locked in to the settlement, right? Regardless of how the trial went, right? KW said, we'll roll the dice and see if we can win the trial because we think we possibly can. And then when they didn't, now they're settling out for probably the same amount they would have settled out for if they went pre-trial. So they yeah. rolled the dice to see if they could win it and walk away without having to pay these tens of millions of dollars. But it didn't work out. So they're settling. Yeah. So I think it was actually a smart play to go through the trial and see. And now they're really walking out with the same settlement they would have had originally. And who knows, maybe they kick the can on the settlement, right? And they try to roll this up with exactly. opposing counsel into a exactly. nationwide. Well, and you got to think too, like if they appeal, if, if, if the, if pills go through, okay. Yeah. And they take this to Supreme court. Like, I just don't see it ever happening at all with NAR and home service America. They're still in it. Right. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I guess like headed toward down the appeal road. Absolutely. Well, think about the appeal road. They have to literally put a bond up for the 5 billion bucks, their, their portion of the 5 billion. Um, then the lawyer fees to go do an appeal in the Supreme court is re I know a guy that did it and it was 27 million just for lawyer fees. Um, he went to the Supreme court and won against the FTC. Um, and uh, like to put up the bond, <laughs> you know, for your portion of this, like, where are they going to get that? Number one. Yeah. Okay. They don't have that. Like, I don't, I don't mean, where, where are they, they going to get that? And then, and then like, it's then it's a complete unknown of how much the actual legal fees are going to be to actually go through with it. That's for the for the chances of losing again. And that's one of the things with lawyers, right? So you were saying that like Keller Williams didn't settle, right? In the beginning. In the beginning. Mm -hmm. Whenever you're, I mean, I don't know how many lawsuits that you've been sort of in, entangled with. Zero. I can tell you that most lawyers want to go to trial. And they want to go to trial simply because that's how they get paid, mm. right? So it's like, you know, settling out of court doesn't really help them. Does that make sense? Because it's a speedier resolution. The ongoing conflict, one, it feeds the ego of the attorneys, but two, it feeds their firm. They probably want to go there. Um, also, this is a huge case. Well, they, well they, run the, they run the risk of losing, though, too, when they go to trial, right? Sure. Settlement's That's like, okay, 40 million, I get whatever, 35%, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, think, think about that. They did Remax did 55 mil anywhere did 83 and a half mil. And now, um, KW, uh, I think it was 40 mil. I want to say okay. you can fact check me on that. So think about that. 55, eight, what's that? One, and then like you're talking about like one, one yeah, 60, like one, 150, one, 160 mil. And then like you're taking home 30, 40. I don't know what the lawyers are taking home on that. Yeah. Um, you can assume you know, it's a lot, 30, 40%. Home run, yeah. right? Um, and all the individual like class participants are getting dick. They're getting a bag of dicks. They're getting like a thousand bucks. Dude, they're getting nothing. <laughs> they're, the they're only, getting, the only the people- They're getting yeah, like a thousand bucks. The only people who benefit in class action lawsuits are never the people in the class. It was so funny because there was a girl on, a woman on trial and she was like, I bought, I bought uh, four, I bought five homes and sold four homes, right? Um, and, and I'm doing this for my children who are becoming to the age that they're going to start buying. All right. She's, she's a part of the class. Yeah. She's part of the class action lawsuit. She okay. was on trial. Yeah. And so my original thought was, okay, you bought five houses and sold four. So you got representation without coming out of your pocket on five deals and you paid commission on four. So you're ahead right now. Okay, okay. Number one. It's an interesting way to look at it. You're, yeah. You're ahead. Number one. Number two, you're doing this for your kids. 
So that so you know for, for what? Because you're like they're they're about to becoming in their age where they're going to start buying homes and they've got families and stuff. So you want them to pay out of their pocket for representation, or if they can't pay or don't want to pay, you want them to go directly to the seller's agent. Like you know you you may have a unique situation, right? Where you go to the listing agent and everything works out beautifully. It doesn't happen like that every time. And that listing agent is looking out for the seller. If they can get you for another hundred thousand on an $8 million home, they're going to a hundred percent. Um, and like, you're like, well, um, I'll pay this. And if you'll take it, then great. Well, and again, my position is that I do that because I want to win. No, I understand. But like, but a, but a buyer agent, like if you had representation, they might say, no, 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 don't come in that high. You need to start out at this. Right. I think that works, and I'll argue with you on this point. I think your argument works in a real estate market where there's inventory. But in today's market, specifically in California, I know you're from Alabama, but you have reached beyond Alabama. In California, there is no negotiating for a piece of markets real estate. come and go, man. This is this is temporary. It'll I mean, swing. It's been like this. At oh least yeah. in California for Absol- four years. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Four years is is nothing though, man. Like I've been doing this for twenty two years. I've seen I've seen it go back and yeah. forth. Yeah. So you're forth. speaking from your professional experience, but when you're trying to purchase a home in an area it's where it's a seller's kids, market, right? The, yeah. the seller's like, hey, I'll sell it to you for this. If you don't want it, I'll sell it to this other guy. He yes. wants it. Okay, okay. bingo. Yeah. So I, I just want to win. I get that. Yeah. I understand. Okay. Um, I'm speaking more in general terms as well. Like she's talking about her kids are going to become like, you know, what's that in seven years, yeah, 10 years, whatever. Like she's like, I'm doing this for generations to come. Yeah. My grandkids, when they start buying homes, yeah. right? I, I'm doing this for the better good. Yeah. It's like, you're going to make them pay more because you made the point. You didn't make it, but you, but you, but you mentioned, and this is like a consistent, consistence, like, you know, in, in the general public that, that this is inflating home prices. Well, what about when the seller doesn't come down just because there's not a buyer agent involved? Okay. They, they, they sell it for the same price. And now the buyer, if they want representation, they got to pay on top of that now. Right. So the situation they're going towards inflates home prices. Not the current situation. The current situation is keeping the price, the, the the cost of home ownership down, mm-hmm. and giving you representation. Versus the alternative is now you got to pay even more to have reference. You got to pay more than what you you were going to pay the same price for the house either way. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to pay for the buyer agent fee on top of it if you want representation. If not, then you don't have it, and you're going to deal with somebody who's looking out for the seller. Yeah, it's not good. And and the, and and in that world, it inflates home prices. Yeah, so I mean, I, I can see. What do buyer agents do now? Do they join the EXPs? Do they join the Redfins? Do like no, what, it doesn't matter what the, move? like the brokers that they're at doesn't matter whatsoever. Their next move is to continue connecting buyers and sellers. If I'm it an agent, I don't want to be a buyer's agent. It doesn't matter what the what the it doesn't matter what the what the environment is, right? It doesn't matter what the environment of the market is, interest rates, supply inventory, none of that matters. Okay, closings happen every day. There's not a, there's not a day in your life there wasn't a truckload of closings that happened in your market ever. 9-11, 2008, pandemic, dot-com crash, the scariest moments in our economic history, closing, real estate closings happening by the truckloads. Even the lowest point, more than any agent can handle ever, right? There's always an unlimited amount of business for every single agent, period, end of story. And so it doesn't matter what the market conditions are, A, and it doesn't matter what brokers are at, B, and it doesn't matter if we take buyer agent commission out of the, uh, you know, take, make it to where it's not figured into the deal at all, C. It, none of that matters. What matters is, is that we're building our brand, talking to people in the market to see what it is they want to do real estate wise, why they want to do it, and help them 
put together a plan to, to do it and represent them at, at the level that they want. That, that's it. Well, let's let's circle back because I'm, I'm how much time do we have, by the way? We have another we're, 40 we're, minutes. Albert should be here soon. We're, we're at 54. Yeah, yeah. We got do, time. Go. You, you have a few, I'm a few good, more yeah. minutes? Okay. Because I, I, I'm he curious. He killed about... Celsius. He's good. Yeah. Now he's fired up. I'm ready. He's <laughs> fired up Let's now. Let's fucking go, dude. He came in all quiet. Now he's, yeah. now he's fired up. Yeah. Well, when you start talking about this kind of shit, man, I mean, it, you know, it, it's people don't really get it, get it. Listen, all I said was I like to buy real estate through the <laughs> seller's agent. And, that, and, and that, you and were like... No, 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 no. I think I think it's great. I mean, you look like, like Thor, I, and you came down. No, with no, a no, 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 no. Like, like, like. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, like. This is this is everyone's choice. They can they can use an agent or not, and yeah. it's it's that's fine. It does. I I could care less if people if every buyer goes straight to the listing agent. I'd be perfectly fine with that. Well, because you would employ a bunch of seller's agents, right? You'd go get listings. Yeah, you'd just I, go get listings, which is what I do anyway. Like, yeah. I yeah, would yeah. have doesn't a change pile your of job. Listing. Doesn't not change your job whatsoever. Not at all. And that's the thing. Would it change? Actually, I don't even care. I don't even want to go into that because I'm like, would it change the job of a real estate agent if all of them were seller's agents? I don't think it would. I think it would lean out the field of real estate agents from people who can't sell, right? You just have a more limited supply of people who can sell. You would lose about half the industry. Um, Well, I'm not NAR. I don't care about that. They're making a hundred dollars a month. I don't know what it is, right? They make like one hundred fifty a year per agent. One hundred fifty. That sounds like that sounds like a pretty good gig. How many real estate agents are there in America? Like there was one point six million uh, that were mem- <laughs> there were members Active? members of NAR. Yeah, 1. as of like a couple, I think it's down to like one point five five or something like that right now. Yeah. So yeah, they yeah. make now that now that's members of NAR, right? So there's another <laughs> there's another about million or so. Yeah. That that are that are real estate that aren't members of NAR. So it's about 2.5, something like that. I don't know the exact number because those ones that aren't members and are, you know, where, where's the data? But like, there's a good like two and a half million agents in the country. And a lot of agents, this is what the Wall Street Journal article also touched upon today, which was NAR, because um, obviously the article is about the lawsuits. But then as you read further into it, right, the, the writer or editor was saying that a lot of these realty companies are leaving NAR. And yeah. so they're like, well, some are like, some are like, we're fired up. We're leaving it. It's fucking bullshit. The well, fuck that, are we paying? Them that's for? what's interesting is that, um, and th- this is where NAR does have the stranglehold on a lot of these uh, agents, is because like Redfin and Remax and anywhere and all these eight, uh, KW said, okay, we're not we're not making it mandatory that you have to be a, a a member of NAR anymore. Well, that's fine for the markets where you don't have to be a member of NAR to get access to MLS, but there are markets where you have to be a member of NAR to get access to your local MLS. That seems and like- the contract. Tracks, that seems right? like collusion. That seems like that's what have, I'm saying. Like that, that that's a place crazy. where that now now see, so there's some so there's a lot of things that the industry's not happy with NAR about. Yeah. Right? Things like this. Um the thing that that I think is good about NAR is the 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 code of ethics. Right. There, there's a code of ethics. When you're more part, when you're a member of NAR, you have to buy by this code of ethics. Um, and the code of ethics, basically, for example, like when you get a listing, you have to put it on MLS, right? You, you've got to put it on there within three days. Now, why is that good? Because now if I have a buyer. Yeah, I get it. It democratizes I, the listing. Yeah, like I, makes like, it available like I have like I have access to something that is listed versus, oh, I'm just going to list it, but I'm not going to put it on MLS because I don't want anybody to know about it because I'm going to sell it myself and make all the money or whatever. I like that better. That's fine. Yeah. 
Um, I think it's bullshit that there could but, be like well, 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 a the, train you, you like it better from a from a from I don't know what standpoint, but the reason why I like this better is because when I have a client, like if that's a property that my client would have loved, right. then I want them to know about it and get into it. Versus the alternative is with no code of ethics, then that property doesn't exist in my world or my buyer's world. And now we have to settle for something that is not as great as the listing over here, right? So yeah. it's just a scenario. But it's like, you know, you're feeding, I don't want to say your enemy, but you're like, by paying these fees, and like you said, you're adhering to a code of conduct or a code of ethics, you're just making the MLS stronger, right? When it should be in my, like from my perspective, I understand it democratizes listings, makes them available to everybody. But if you had these little fiefdoms with these little pockets of listings, um, you know, it, it builds more business. It, it creates more opportunity. It builds more companies, right? It builds more commerce. Probably for, a, for some, right? I think so. I mean, yeah. what does the MLS do? You know, why is that, you know, why is that a thing? In commercial real estate, you have LoopNet and you have CoStar and you have all these other companies, right? That this is what they do. But kind of like in residential real estate, you kind of just have this one behemoth. Yeah. Which does seem, you well, were talking about they, the Sherman well, CoStar, CoStar owns LoopNet. It's the same thing. But it didn't always, right? No, they bought it um, years ago, but but I mean, like that. But it does seem like for that example, right? It does seem like you're you're feeding this entity, right? In the early 20th century, they passed these antitrust laws so that there wasn't price fixing, right? Right, and so it does seem like in today's world, if you only have MLS, you right? can put any commission rate you want on there. Yeah, no, I don't there's care no, about there's the there's no there's no price fixing. No, not price fixing, but. You're, everybody's relying on one entity that's owned by one company. It's not really owned by one company. You've got Zillow, which it's, it's everything gets syndicated to Zillow. All the MLSs are are local MLSs. I, I get it. I get yeah. it. No, I get it. All, I understand how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. They're all part. They're all members of NAR. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. get you. I get um, where you're going. Okay. Yeah, they're they're not they're not all together. Oh, one right, but there are members of it. And, um, but they're all feeding in. It reminds me of the Matrix. You have all like the guys laying the guys laying here like this, right? And then all these little bloodsucker little things are coming on, right? And that's the Zillows and the Redfins and all these little companies, Homes.com and Realtor.com, and they're all sucking from the MLS. Yeah, it's like what do we need them for? What does that even do? Right? What do you need who for? What do you need the MLS for? To to get the listings in front of every single buyer, I get it, but right. you could. But there's a number skip of different. That. You, you can, can skip that, right? Ha, ha, why why, why would you Why would you want to? Why would you not want to see everything for sale? If you were a buyer, why would you not want to see every single home? I, I get your argument. Yeah, I mean, I make, it's not I an make, argument. It's just a question. Like, if I'm a buyer, I'm yeah. thinking about if I'm a buyer, I, I'd love to see every single home for sale, yeah. not just you know, a couple that are for sale. I'd love to see everything so I can say, okay, these are all my choices, all my options. You know, I want to see this one, this one, and this one. Let's, let's call my agent. Let's go see them. Yeah. From a buyer's perspective, I would want to see everything for sale. The way we're going is you're not going to be able to do that. Yeah. But what I, I think what it does show everything, like there's no real industry out there that has all the products. Here's, here's what I think. I get it. You are the fucking product. 
that's the fucking problem. That's the inherent problem that I have with this, like with this structured economy or real estate listings Mm -hmm. with Facebook and Instagram, right? No one realized until Mark Zuckerberg was on the Hill testifying with the Cambridge Analytical scam. Oh my God, dude. Right? I mean, Nobody realized that you were the actual fucking product being sold. So it's like you put your listing on MLS and then all these companies are pulling down that data through an API. Yep. They're all monetizing yep. eyeballs, yep. but it's your fucking listing. Yep. So my point is democratize it even further. Right. I want to make money by listing my home. If I'm an agent, like let's say, for example, thank God for those portals, though. Right. Yes. It may it may it made me to where I could sell 100 properties a year. Yeah. Without that, I couldn't. Right. Mm -hmm. If these companies didn't allow these API accesses Mm -hmm. that didn't exist in the 90s. Right. You wouldn't have the Zillow's and the Redfin's and that type of stuff. Right. So, you know. But they, but they made it. They made it to where you could sell so many properties in so such less time. Yeah. Right. Like I used to spend hours looking for properties for buyers. Now they just tell me what they want to see. I guess if I'm a real estate agent, I want to own a website that has my own listings that are off market, and I want to provide an API to your see, real see estate. That, that's company. another part about the code of ethics. You can't advertise an off market property to the general public. That's what I'm saying, right? That's what I don't agree with. I'm saying I have this. Let's let's say for let's go back to my example. We well, the thing list. is, is if it's off market, right? But then like you've got it off market, then another agent has an exclusive listing agreement on it. It's just like, you know, they. they I, I'm just saying I want to monetize eyeballs. Mm-hmm. So Redfin. Well, now you're Zillow, in a different business. Yes. Right. Now, now, you're, now you're not a real estate agent, right? You're monetizing eyeballs. Now you're now you're now you've got a different business. Bingo. Right. Well, now I'm saying that a realty company can be a software company. Yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely. And can make money not only from buying and selling properties, but from their listings. Yep. And that's that's just my opinion. I think if you democratize things further, because it does seem very collusionally, that's not a word, but it does seem very like <laughs> It does with, with the MLS and then them giving these APIs. Well, you're going to get your wish, bro. Yeah, absolutely. This and is, then it will come full circle. That, 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 this so is we've already talked about this. And, and it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? I like, wanted to like, segue to uh, EXP. I was trying to explain it to Will. Yeah, I don't know much about it. He basically came up with the conclusion that it's a pyramid scheme. Mm. True or false? Can you explain to him? Well, I didn't use the word pyramid. I used said, the word multi-level marketing. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you if you're you say, EXP, right? Yeah. Full disclosure. Okay. If you if you say that, then I mean, you're basically saying every brokerage is. So I don't know anything about this. Yeah. So you'd have to explain to me. So like so like Remax, okay, corporation, they go out and find the the regional owners. Are these franchises? Yeah, they're franchises. Okay, okay. All right. they find the regional owners. The regional owners find the franchisees. The franchisees find the broker owners. The broker owners find the agents. He is painting a picture of a multi-level marketing scheme. <laughs> that's Remax. Yeah. Okay. That's Keller Williams. That's every single brokerage. So what defines why why when people talk to me about EXP, which I just learned that word like three weeks ago. They wouldn't ago. if you're not an agent. Okay. But what what's the difference? Not the, the, not the, don't the, don't the, sell the, me an EXP. Here, here's the difference. Okay. 
if you want to be, if you want to own an office, um, if you want to be a broker owner, a franchise owner of a Remax, right? You go out and you you, you give Remax a big franchise fee. How right? much is that? Tens of thousands, thirty thousand, whatever. Or you buy, or you buy a, a franchise or or a location from an existing Remax broker owner, right? And this is just to fly the flag. Yeah, you're not getting anything. No. Okay. So, so you, so you, you want to own this Remax, right? And so you, you want to become this franchise owner, this broker owner. You go out and you pay for it. You pay Remax thirty grand. You buy it from a friend, your current owner, or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Now you've got it. All right. Now you've got it, and you've paid this money before you even get started. Then you have to get an office, mandatory. You have to get an office. Then once you get the office, you can recruit agents locally. You mean brick and mortar? Brick and mortar. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right? You I have to. It. It's okay. mandatory. Sure. You, you, you go out and you, you recruit agents locally. All right? You bring them in. And now you're liable for every agent. You have expenses per every agent. You have to deal with the paperwork, the, the compliance of the contracts, initials, and make sure all the, the contracts are just like they're supposed to be. You're getting audited by the state. You've got E&O insurance. You've got legal. You've got compliance. You've got payment processing. You have to handle all this. It's your responsibility. Yeah. Now, under, now I'm painting the picture. Okay. Now, let me run through it so you completely understand it. You pay a big franchise fee. You get a brick and mortar. You recruit local agents. And now you're responsible for all of them legally. You have expenses. All that stuff just sounds like a business. It, 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 it's an absolute nightmare because those broker responsibilities—you ain't getting paid for that. You don't—you don't make much money as a broker, but you're losing your mind okay. on all the stuff that's involved with being a broker. Okay? Give me an example. What's something that is a huge expense that you don't want to be responsible? Well, for? you have the office number one okay. that agents don't use. Okay. You've got E&O insurance. They're all working from home. Is yeah. that the point? Yeah. yeah. You've got E&O insurance per every agent, right? That could run you whatever. Um, you know, it could run you Arizona anywhere from yeah, anywhere from a thousand to two thousand an agent or more, right? Per year. Per year. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, if you if you're providing some kind of like, you know, software type things, CRMs, um, right, marketing, CRMs yeah. and stuff, you know, you could be possibly whatever it is. Right. Then you've got the admin, right. The admin that handles all the contracts when they come in. You've got to pay that admin mm-hmm. to make sure those contracts are compliant. Mm-hmm. Right. you got a payment processor like you've got all these employees. Sure. OK. But they're not employees. Right. They are employees. They're not 1099. They are. No, they're W2. They're W2. Yes. Okay. They're paid by the hour. The admins are paid oh, by I'm the sorry. hour. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm talking about the agents. Okay. No, 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 no. No, no. You've got to have a team of W2 people to to run the to have the right. Agents. This is your more expenses. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. And and the list just goes on and on and on. Okay? With EXP, I, I EXP said, "Screw that." Right? And the problem with Remax and KW is they sold regions and franchises. So they don't own those offices. They're all independently owned and operated. Yeah. So Remax doesn't own the Remax office you see driving around. The corporation doesn't own it. The local broker owns it. They right, fly the Remax a franchise flag. Model. Yeah. Right. And so they're all independently owned and operated. EXP said, we're not going to sell re- regions and franchises. We're going to, the corporation is going to own the entire globe of EXP. We're not going to sell regions and franchises. So we still have control of every single agent. See, the, the local Remax brokers, they can like negotiate fees with their agents and do different things. You can't do that at EXP. It's okay, the so same. The, the comp structure is yeah, different? Yeah, it's the, same, it's the same for everybody at EXP. So EXP said, instead of you paying me a huge franchise fee to have a local office, I'm just going to give you your own global franchise for free. 
And now if you want to get an office, you can. We're not going to make you. It's not mandatory. And if you do open up an office and you do recruit agents locally, guess what? You're not liable. You don't have any expenses. You don't worry about any of the broker stuff, payment processing, you know, none of that stuff. We'll take care of all that. So you can open up a local office if you want to. You can bring agents in, but you're not responsible for them. There's no liabilities. If they get sued, you're not getting sued. We're getting sued. We're going to handle all that, hmm. right? But not only that, since you own a global franchise, you can bring agents anywhere. You can bring agents in Dallas and New York and bring them anywhere you want. You don't have to be restricted locally as if you were a Remax broker owner. So is a guy like Pace Morby that has this community, is he a guy who goes, I'm with Remax, I'm with KW, whatever. I'm going to switch to EXP because my community spans the whole nation. Well, they are EXP, I believe. Oh, they are EXP. Yeah. Okay, I think, interesting. I think, I think but that's wife. why you made the switch, right? You were Remax or... So, you? so I was with Remax for 10 years. Um, I was the number one Remax agent in Alabama for, th for three years. Mm -hmm. I was the number one guy in my MLS for eight years in a row. I was, you know, spanking like 20 agent teams. I was out selling them. And um, I made the move because I wanted to, well, number one, like I had a thing with Remax. Like there was a situation. I was okay. like, I'm out. And you don't want to talk about that. Not really. And then when Can you just give us a hint. What? Can you just give us a hint? Well, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, don't over basic, you know. basically like I was becoming a public figure. Right. I wanted to collaborate with them and like build the brands together, build my brand, build their brand. And like, let's go to the next chapter. Like, let's take this thing into overdrive. I loved them. Yeah. And then I kind of like I, I, I got to know who corporate what really was. And um, and then they charged me a bunch of money to come speak. So right, I was wait, like, rewind. They charged you to speak? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not the other way around. No, that's, no, no. That's, no that's, that's charged sounds... me a lot of money to speak. <laughs> and I was like, I, I, and when they did that, they sent me the invoice before the talk, <laughs> right? Before the talk, they sent me the invoice before the talk. And I, I was like, I'm out. Like, I'm going to go do this talk, you know? And, and then I'm out. Like, I'm, this is my last hoorah. Like, I would have got on stage and said, so I'm, like, with, I'm with the XP. So, so like, the thing, the thing is, the thing is, is like, yeah. like I was coaching agents for free. Like tens of thousands at that time. Remax, right? Yeah, I was with Remax. I was no, no. I was oh, coaching all brokers. Independent of the independently. Agent. I was mm -hmm. coaching agents for free. Yeah. I'm trying to make the the world a better place, make the industry better. I'm trying to reduce the failure rate in the industry here and becoming this public figure and while um, still promoting their brand. Yeah. Right. Right. I was promoting their brand because I'm with them. And so like that's where I was. And then once I realized that they're gonna charge a guy like that to come speak, I was like our core values aren't really lining up here, yeah. right? Like I'm not lining up with who this company is, what the identity of the company actually is. Oh. So I was gonna go do my own brokerage. I was gonna do independent brokerage. And I was like, but wait a minute, if I do that, I open up a brick and mortar, I call it Ricky Realty or whatever, I can recruit agents locally. I like that name. I can, I can, I can recruit agents locally, but now I'm responsible for them. I can only recruit locally. I literally am gonna lose my mind. Why can you only recruit them locally? How are you going to, I mean, I could, I could possibly recruit agents in like in Alabama because I'm licensed. I would have been licensed in just Alabama. But right. you can't recruit in Texas. But Why? I could. Why can't you, you, can't just, because, you can't just go to Texas and get licensed? You can. You yeah. can, but it's hell. Is it? Yeah. See, so like, that's the, that's the thing. If, if, if So a boutique brokerage with like 20 agents is worth nothing. Okay. It's worth nothing. Nobody's going to pay anything for it. The only way to make a brokerage worth something is if you turn into a corporation and, and franchise it or open up multiple locations in multiple states. It has to have scale. Which is what Sirhan's doing, right? He's he's building a nationwide brokerage and he's going to do super well with it. But he's losing his ass right now, right? You, you bleed a lot of cash to get there. 
um, you know, all these brokerages lost their ass. And like a lot of them through the through the market shift lost a lot of money. Like Remax lost money, Anywhere lost money. EXP was actually the only profitable brokerage in the country through this entire shift over the last couple of years. Um, but nevertheless, I was gonna open up my own brokerage. I could have recruited agents in Alabama, but you know, I I had no infrastructure. It's like, what am I giving them? Right. I don't have any any stuff like EXP has all the back end ready. Right. Support, mentorship, training, CRM, software, brokers, legal compliance. Like I couldn't do all that for like at, at, at you know, there would have been out of maxed out at like 20, 30 agents. But that Sir I Han can. Is that his name? Sir Han. Sir Han. Yeah. But he had, he, I mean, I think he has like 200 employees. Like he's like he's scaling out an actual company. OK. Right. Um. But for me, it was like, wait a minute, I can still have, I can join EXP, still have a brick and mortar, still bring on agents locally, but I'm not responsible for them. And I can expand anywhere I want to today for nothing, no cost. I can expand in any market I want to for free today without any responsibilities, liabilities, expenses. But how does the difference in the structure of, because you were schooling me to the game, there's a difference between Remax and EXP and it has to do with this thing called downline, right? Yeah. Can you so, explain so, that? So, so basically like with Remax, only the corporation, the regional owners, like they're kind of at the top up there. The agents are down here. They're at the top of the pyramid, right? The triangle is calling. <laughs> yeah. <right>? Okay. <laughs> they're at the top of the triangle, yeah. right? Yeah. The agents are at the bottom yeah. with zero chance. See, the first thing that EXP solved, the first problem is they looked at the industry and they said, look at all these agents working their ass off to make these corporations rich. Remax agents work their ass off. They're paying all these fees and splits to, to Remax. They right. get nothing, right? They get nothing. But the corporation's worth a half a billion, okay? Keller Williams, they're worth whatever. They're not publicly traded, so I don't know what they're worth. Let's say they're worth a billion, mm -hmm. right? The agents didn't get anything. They're at the bottom working their asses off, paying fees and splits to go into a deep, dark hole. They never get anything out of it. EXP said, that's wrong. What we're going to do is the agents that come in and bust their ass to make our corporation rich, we're going to give them equity in the company so that they actually enjoy the, 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 the benefits of making the corporation rich. So when you say they get equity, does that mean that they have like the ability to buy shares? They don't buy it. They give it to you. Okay. When you sell property, when you hit certain thresholds of sales every year, they yeah. give you equity in the company. So when you hit like 25 deals, give or take, they will have given you $16,600 worth of equity in the company. And you've paid in about $22,000 at that point. And then they have given you about $16,000, $17,000 worth of equity. Gotcha. Um, and so you're building equity in this company. And now you feel appreciated because it's the difference in being a renter and an owner of a home. Mm -hmm. When you rent, you're paying money out the window. You get a place to live, but that's it. Mm -hmm. Right? With the homeowner, you're paying money for the mortgage, but you're building equity. So at Remax Keller Williams, you're paying fees and splits to just go into a dark, deep, dark hole. You Can just you have sell a the stock immediately. You, you just have a place to hold your license, right? At EXP, you're paying the fees and splits just like you do when you're a renter over here at Remax, but right. you're building equity just like a homeowner. There's a three-year hold on it. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's well, a long time. Uh, uh, that's a long it, time. It's not a long time. It literally like three years goes by really fast. But but that's how they hold the, hostage, the thing, though, right? The, that the, is how they hold. The thing yeah. is, is though Google's not, very they, similar. Yeah, I mean. 
the thing is, is oh, they're holding you hostage. It's like, no, they're they're actually want you to be committed to building the company. Like that we want to give you shares and then you just can just split and just take the shares with you. No, we're giving them to you because you've committed to helping us build the company long term. I get you. The company's worth two billion dollars. Sure. Right. Agents in the company own one billion of it. They own exactly half. And the company gave it to them for just selling real estate. But that's the model. That's the model. And it started out that way. Yeah, it started out that way. How old is it? How old is this company? Since 09. Okay. That's a long time. Yeah, that's how. Yeah. Yeah, since oh, 09. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're okay. in like 30 countries. I've got agents in South Africa, Australia, Canada, Mexico, Brazil. And you get a commission off of all those yeah. guys. That's yeah. amazing. I make money every time a deal closes in uh, so Australia. Does, so does this work well? Like if you have a community, you're, you're, you can take a deep breath. There's, you know what I mean? You're not on the stand anymore. But I'm curious, right? Like you have a community, you provide education to that community. Does this dovetail really nicely? Because, right, with the advent of the internet, this message goes global, right? With how to sell and, you know, the curriculum on how to sell or how to help buyers, agents, you know, things of that nature, right? Everything real estate sort of under that umbrella. So does it dovetail nicely the education that you provide with the EXP model? It or does. It does. Because, like, now I charge for coaching. Right. So in December, after seven years of free, yeah. I switched to 99 a month and then I'm building out a luxury education platform to teach agents how to how to sell luxury. It's right, now be, I'm interested. It's going to be more expensive <laughs> yeah. than 99 a month. Yeah. But but the thing with EXP is it allows me and this was another great thing about it. When I joined, I was like, wow, because at the time I was still free. Well, with EXP and I still do this when agents come in, I coach them for free. So I don't charge them anything, does, right? Does EXP feel similarly to how Remax felt that you should pay to speak, or do they feel the that you're a better brand the, ambassador? The, see, the different the difference is is that when you go to these conferences uh, with EXP, when you hit certain thresholds and stuff, they give you equity just to show up instead of a speaking fee. You well, get yeah, I mean, they're, like they're giving everybody that that hits these thresholds. That's awesome, right? Yeah, that's they awesome. give everybody that 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 hits these these sales, um, you know, thresholds. But uh, so it's not like you're getting any more. No, I mean right? speaking fees. So like, no, well, no, for no, example, no, 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 right? No, no, no. You went to one in Las Vegas, right? To an EXP. They don't. They don't. Yeah, EXP con. No, they don't. They don't pay me any extra to speak. But like. I'm making 50, 60 K a month on, on, on my organization. For, well, so let me ask right? you this, cause th this is what I was curious about. Can people switch their alliances? So let's say I'm Ricky Carruth and I show up to speak in Las Vegas. Were you there at that event tail end of last year in Las Vegas? Yeah. The EXP con. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I spoke yeah. there. Okay. So I'm Ricky Carruth. I'm on stage and I'm telling people about the gospel of EXP. Not really the EXP. Like they're already with the EXP. It's EXP con. Well, hold like on. I'm there telling them how to sell real estate. Well, hold on. Let me finish my thought. So I'm on stage and I'm telling them about EXP and how much mm -hmm. I love it. Tell them about my coaching program. Tell them about my future plans, et cetera, et cetera. What if I want to align myself with Ricky? I want to be an agent under Ricky. If you're already at the EXP and you've already picked your sponsor, you can't switch. You can't pick. No, yeah. you know, and that's the thing about EXP. There's different groups, right? And you right. kind of pick the group you want to be aligned with. And you be can't defect. You there's can't, you there's can't, no defecting. Yeah, you you can't you can't switch organizations. Once you pick that sponsor, that sponsor's locked in. You can't you can't switch, right? But that's the cool thing is that I have a coaching program for ninety nine a month, right? Where I do a weekly call. Where, where do they get that? Where can they access? Zero to diamond.com. Zero okay. Zero yeah. to diamond.com. Can we put that 
can we put that on the uh so like they so like they're already with exp right I, they can't join my organization i can't really work with them one-on-one -on -one like i do people in my organization but they can buy your coaching but they can but they can join the group coaching which is a listing challenge there's a full course there's i do a group call every week like it's awesome it's, cool you know, zero to diamond.com yeah put you're it doing there. more speaking events what's this gold bar i saw so that's basically the coaching program now oh, okay right so when you go there gold bar is the platform the mm -hmm. coaching platform and um you're speaking with sirhan next month yeah this well month? in a couple of weeks oh man yeah yeah go to go to goldbarlive.com but how did you segue into more speaking events just it was just organically yeah. like uh it's funny because like people will reach out to me and say i want you to speak of this thing you know who do i talk to on your team whatever i'm like you. <laughs> you're talking to them like I but your dms them. right like when you look at instagram i don't know how facebook works they're the messages are domiciled right into like vertical. look at this conference where where we put together um okay we lost well here, here we go here we go yeah so in a couple weeks here like the biggest luxury agents yeah, i know that jewish guy right there altman yeah yeah all yeah. of them are oh renee yeah renee rodriguez yeah Tyler i love Alexander. that guy great yeah. public yeah. speaker aaron aaron kerman he's over here so that that's that's there he is. right there hold on a second let's see if the look i know you you're in the top right mm look at that this so, looks awesome so this is our event like juan there in front of me he's he's my partner on gold bar and where is this in in on Times square do you where they have where they hold the uh, heisman trophy uh, yeah. award ceremony yeah, it's gonna yeah. Be in the same venue and when is this event in a couple weeks february 29th february 29th and is yeah. it one single day it's one day okay yeah yeah, gotcha. yeah. there'll be 1200 days that's actually two days they're, they're having like a workshop the next day with uh with aaron and and a couple other the luxury the big luxury people what does it cost to to go to that so there was a 99 dollars ticket that sold out there was a 1600 ticket that sold out now i think it's like a 500 dollars ticket that's left and how many people are you guys expecting 1200 1200 1200 agents yeah and so 10 year old ricky did you think you would get to that stage did you see it it seemed like you did oh uh, hey. yeah Maybe. yeah there it is so they actually that that diamond is a t is, that's for day two as well so no no they sold out the silver so the 99 dollars still left the, the 600 dollars one and then the the 2000 one well you guys better hurry up go to uh gold bar live is yeah. it gold bar live gold bar live gold bar live .com. Com and come yeah yeah it's gonna be the, it's gonna be the best it's gonna be the biggest gonna be the most incredible luxury real estate agent event ever i Perfect. mean like like i don't know if we'll ever get that same lineup ever again well you get a better yeah. one next year yeah Hopefully. we'll see every year it took a lot to outdo that that lineup you know i mean it took a lot to put that together but wow. yeah it's pretty cool from laying shingles on a roof to speaking mm -hmm. in uh times square oh it's gonna be cool ricky thanks yeah. for being here on stern talk yeah we'll see you guys yeah, next enjoy. time